Whenever I talk about overcoming, I'm going to be talking to you. Because if I'm talking to someone else, it means that uh, they're contingent to the overcoming, and we know that that's not true. God says we can overcome in any type of environment we're in, so if I'm talking about overcoming, just know I'm going to be preaching to you. And I think most people had a, uh, have had a really tough time with this series because I have been teaching to us, to all of us, and saying we just need to be better employees, or if we're an employer, we need to be a better employer. But you know what's kind of interesting? I think that most of us came in with some false expectations. Because most of us assume that hostility in the workplace is normally caused by a mean employer. In other words, a bad boss. And the reason we think that way is because we've been fed the myth that a boss will either make or break the job. That's right. We've been taught to believe that if you have a good boss, he's going to create a good work environment, and you're going to love going to work. But if you have a bad boss, he's going to create a bad work environment, you're going to hate going to work. And though that's true some of the time... It's not true most of the time. In fact, studies show that the number one cause of hostility in the workplace is job dissatisfaction among employees. That's right. The majority of the time, hostility in the workplace is caused by employees who don't like their job. You see, research has revealed that an employee that's dissatisfied with his job is going to give less effort than a person who really likes his job. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. If an employee doesn't like his job, he's going to do just enough to keep from getting fired because he really doesn't care. His heart's not into it. And studies show that after a period of time, he'll begin to project his feelings upon his co-workers. This is a stupid job. I hate this job. Now, he starts off saying it that way. But pretty soon he begins to project that upon other people. Everyone hates this job. Everyone thinks it's a stupid job. And then he begins to sow discord among his co-workers. And those who don't agree with him or don't follow his lead, he either ridicules or he ostracizes them. Now, this is a growing problem in America. Because according to Melvin Newland, 65% of Americans are unhappy with their job. I want that to sink in for a second. 65% of Americans are unhappy with their job. They go to work because they have no other choice. They owe, they owe, so off to work they go. But they're extremely dissatisfied with their job, and they poison the workplace. Now, I would dare say that those of you who attend our church are no different than the majority of Americans. So that tells me that 65% of you are dissatisfied with your job. In your mind, You have a stupid job, and you hate your job. And anyone who works there is stupid unless they agree with you. Now, can you see why the number one cause of hostility in the workplace is job dissatisfaction among employees? People, it's a poison. It's not the boss. It's normally employees that are dissatisfied with their job. Now, if you're one of the 65% who hate their job, I want you to listen to me very carefully. I'm preaching to you this morning. I am literally counseling behind the pulpit, all right? I know that that's supposed to be a no-no, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to counsel behind the pulpit. And I want you to sit up. I want you to pay attention. I want you to get a pen out, and I want you to take notes. Now, let me tell you right up front that God has never intended for us to hate our job. That's the truth. In fact, we're supposed to find satisfaction 
in working. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 18 and 19, but I'm really going to emphasize the first part and the last part. Notice what it says. Then I realize that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor. Now, I'm not going to continue to read. I'm just going to jump down to the last part of verse 19. He says, and to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. So God wants us to find satisfaction in our job. Now, I want you to underline that phrase, find satisfaction, in verse number 18. That phrase is translated from two Hebrew words. The first one is ra'ah, which means to see, and the second is tob, which means good. Now, if you translated this literally, it would say to see the good in your work. But in this context, it means to find satisfaction, gratification. So what this is saying is that God wants us to find satisfaction or fulfillment or gratification in our work. So God never intended for us to hate our job. His intention was for us to find fulfillment gratification in what we do on the job. His intention is for us to enjoy what we do, to see the good in it, ra'ah and tope. But let's be honest. Some jobs are more enjoyable than others. Would you agree with that? And some jobs are less enjoyable than others, right? Well, if you've got one of those jobs that's less enjoyable than other jobs, what are you supposed to do? Well, it all goes back to attitude and perception. You change your attitude and you change your perception. You see, most of us have the wrong attitude towards work and the wrong perception of work. Most of us think we're working for the sole purpose of making money in order to pay our bills. So we try to find the easiest job that we can that makes the most money. And that's what we're looking for. In fact, when we go off to college and we're looking at what can we do for a living, most of us are looking for something that we would enjoy, yes, but more importantly, what would bring us a lot of money? But I want you to understand something. Making money is not the main reason for working. Making money is just a byproduct of working. But it's not the main reason for working. The main reason we work is to use our gifts, talents, and abilities to serve Jesus Christ and to be a witness to others. In fact, let me just say this again. The main reason for working is not to make money. Making money is a byproduct of working. The reason we work is so that we can use our gifts, talents, and abilities to serve Jesus Christ and to be a witness to others. Now, pastor, that sounds good, but give me some scripture for that. Well, you know me. I've got scripture, and that's what I'm going to be teaching this morning. Turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 3. I want to read verses 23 and 24. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord and not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. Now, if you don't mind, I want to break this down. I want to make this as simple as I can for you. Paul began verse 23 with, whatever you do, whether it's busing tables at a restaurant or busing children to school, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. In other words, you do the very best job that you can. Don't just put your back into it, put your heart into it. As if you're working for the Lord, not for men. Why? 
Because God sees as if you are working for Jesus. Work, people, is an act of service to Jesus Christ. Now, why is that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it's a positive witness to the power of Jesus Christ and what he can do in a person's life. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Titus, chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. And let me just say a little bit about Titus. If you're not familiar with the book, Paul actually wrote this to Titus to, to address the people at Crete. And the Cretans actually had a bad reputation. They were known to be lazy. They didn't like to work. So I want you to notice what Paul wrote to Titus. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters and everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior. Now who is God our Savior? Jesus. Attractive. Now, the principle that's being taught in this passage of Scripture is to be applied to employees also. Let me explain why I say that. You see, the servant-master relationship is analogous to the employee-employer relationship. So the, so the principles that are being taught apply to both parties equally. So even though it says slaves, I want you today to cross that out in your Bible, and I want you to write above that employees. And where it says, Master, I want you to cross that out, and I want you to write the word boss. Because these two parties are on the same plane. That servant-master relationship is analogous to the employee-employer relationship. So according to the passage of Scripture, employees are to do what? Well, number one, they're to be subject to their employers. Number two, they're to try to please them and not argue with them. And number three, they're not to steal from them. In other words, they're not to steal from the company. Now, what happens when employees act this way? What happens when they follow God's Word? Well, they make Christianity attractive. I want you to notice the last part of verse number 10. It says, so that in every way, they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Underline that word attractive. Attractive is translated from the Greek word cosmeo. Now, if you've been coming on Wednesday nights, you know what the word cosmeo means. Our English word cosmetics is transliterated from this Greek word. It means it comes from that Greek word. And what does cosmeo mean? It means to make something look good. How many of you women use cosmetics? How many of you don't want to admit that you use cosmetics? But let me tell you why you use cosmetics. You use uh, cosmetics to make yourself look good. That's what the word cosmeo means. It means to make something look good. So what Paul is saying is this. Christians who are good employees make Jesus look good. Christians who are not good employees make Jesus look bad. People, it's as simple as that. And if you don't get anything else out of this sermon, I want you to get this principle. Christians who are good employees make Jesus look good. Christians who are bad employees make Jesus look bad. Now, let's do a little review. According to Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, what's the right attitude towards work? Whatever we do, we're to do it with all our heart. We're not just supposed to put our back into it. We're supposed to put our heart into it. We're going to do it the best that we can. And what's the right perception of work? That we're working for the Lord and not for men. 
We're working for the Lord and not for men. We understand that that paycheck that we're receiving is from men, but we also understand that one day we're going to stand before God and he's going to give us another reward if we went to work with the right perception. And according to chapter, uh, Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, what happens when we have the right attitude and the right perception of work and we're good employees? We make Christianity attractive to non-believers. In other words, we make Jesus look good. Now, here's the interesting thing. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's very important. Whenever I have the right attitude and the right perception of work, I'm able to find gratification in any type of work. Now, don't get me wrong. I'd rather have a job that uses my gifts, my talents, and my abilities. But until I have a job that does use my gifts, talents, and abilities, I can still find gratification in serving my Lord in any type of job. It doesn't matter if I'm frying hamburgers at Sonic. It doesn't matter if, if I'm waiting tables. It doesn't matter if I'm a farmer. It doesn't matter what I do. If I have the right attitude and the right a perception of work, then I can find gratification in any type of job that I have. I can find gratification in doing the job right, and I can find gratification in being a good witness for Jesus Christ, letting people know what Christianity can do in your life. Listen to me. Your workplace is a mission field. That's how God sees it. Your workplace is a mission field. And the reason God is sending you into the workplace is not just to make money. That's a byproduct of working. But the reason God is sending you into the workplace is to be a witness for him. But the great thing about working is that he actually pays you to be a witness for him. So in a sense, every Christian is in full-time ministry. Your job is your ministry and you're getting paid to do it. Now, I'm not saying that you're at your job in order to teach a Bible study. I'm not saying that you're at your job in order to have a prayer meeting. No. I'm saying that you're at your job in order to make Jesus look good. You're supposed to be a good employee. And when people ask how you can have such an attitude and the type of environment you're in, you can say, you don't know my Savior, Jesus. If you had Jesus in your heart, he changes everything. Well, how can you put your heart into this? Because I'm not serving my boss. I'm not just serving my company. I'm serving God. And when we begin to see our job in that capacity, then guess what? We make Jesus look good. Now, let me give you a list of what God expects of us as employees. Number one, we're to respect and obey our boss even if we don't like him or her. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 18. Slaves. Well, pastor, this is talking to slaves. I'm not a slave, and I'm an employee. Listen to me. The slave-master relationship is analogous to the employee-employer relationship. So instead of saying slaves, just mark that out and write above it employees. Employees, submit yourself to your boss with all respect. Now listen to this. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those that are harsh. Wow. Just because you don't like your boss, just because he's a rear, just because he's bad to everyone else and he's selfish or whatever, 
that doesn't mean you're not to respect him. You're to respect him and you're to submit to him. And the reason you are is because it makes Jesus look good. Always. Number two, we're to be a hard worker even when the boss isn't around. Turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse number 22. Servants, what should we do there? Cross out the word servants and write above it employees. Employees, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Now I want you to underline that phrase, eye service. What does it mean? Well, eye service means when the boss is looking. Notice how the NIV translates this verse. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you. Now, what's funny is that Paul calls people who only work when the boss is watching men-pleasers. Did you notice that? He said, not with eye service, as men-pleasers. Now, we don't use that term today. What term do we use today? Brown-nosers. Yeah! They had brown-nosers in Paul's day, too. I've always tried to tell you that there's not a subject that we'll ever have to deal with in this lifetime that the Bible does not address. The Bible addresses every subject. And notice it says, not with eye service as men-pleasers. You can just mark that out if you want, and you can write in there, brown-nosers. So what Paul is saying is, don't be a brown-noser. Now, what is a brown-noser? A brown-noser is someone who's lazy, but when the boss is around, they work their tail off, and then they fawn all over him. Now, that's the nice way of putting it. If you worked at Southwestern Bell and you'd hear the crass things they would say, they would say, your nose is so far up the boss's rear that if he flatulates, you know what he had for breakfast. Now, why do you come to church here? Because you want to hear the truth. But the truth is, people like that are normally lazy. They only fawn over the boss. They only do those type of things when? When the boss is looking. But when the boss is not there, the reason they were building those relationships is because when he's not there, they're not going to work and they don't want to get in trouble for not working. So they try to have that type of relationship where they're friends with the boss so they don't have to work as hard. So they'll get the promotions. Now let me tell you how the other co-workers look at that. They look at that and they go, ha, 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 I can't stand you. Are you making Jesus look good? No, you're not making Jesus look good. You're making Jesus look bad. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the primary reason you go to work is not to make money. That is a byproduct of going to work. The purpose of going to work is to serve Jesus Christ and to be a witness to others. That's good teaching, Pastor Allen. Number three, we're not to steal from the company. We read this, but let's read it again. Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters and everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them. Employee theft is one of the greatest problems in America today. In fact, you wouldn't believe how much businesses have to inflate the cost in order to overcome, and we would call it shoplifting, but I'll be honest with you, even though shoplifting is bad, employee theft is a greater problem now. I was just watching a video this week, and it was talking about employee theft and how to curb it. 
and that now employee theft is worse than shoplifting and as a result of employee theft, the prices are skyrocketing. I don't know what it is, but it's human nature to think if we don't like our job, we feel like they're not treating us good, that we can take what they have. We're just getting fair compensation. People, it's stealing no matter how you say it. And you're not to steal. And last but not least, when we're told to do something, we're not to complain and try to get out of it. You know, you have certain employees that every time you give them a job, and you don't want to give them that job. It's a tough job. No one wants to do that job. But it's even worse that when you give them that job, they either argue with you or they complain about it. People turn back to Titus chapter 2, verse 9. It says, teach employees to be subject to their boss and everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them. I want you to underline that phrase, talk back. That phrase is translated from the Greek word entelego. Now, entelego is a compound word. A compound word simply means that that word is made up of more than one word. In this case, it's made up of two words. It's made up of the prefix anti, which means against, and the root word lego, which means to speak. Now, when you combine these two words together, it literally means to speak against. Now, depending upon the context, we don't translate it to speak against. We either translate it as arguing or complaining, depending upon the context. But either way, employees are told not to do it. In other words, he's saying when your boss tells you to do something, don't argue with him. When your boss tells you to do something, don't complain. Let me tell you, that's what the world does. And some of you think, well, I just can't do that. I'll tell you why you can't do that. You don't have the right attitude. You don't have the right perception of work. If you had the right attitude, then I'm going to do everything I do with all my heart. If you had the right perception that I'm doing this for God, I'm not doing this for men. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You can find gratification. You can find satisfaction. You can find fulfillment in your job. Now, if all Christians worked the way that they were supposed to, people would have a better perception of Christianity. I'm going to be honest with you. I got saved at the age of 20, right before I went to work at Southwestern Bell. A guy called me to preach about the same time, but I didn't respond to the call to preach until I was 23 years old. I continued to work at Southwestern Bell until I was 25, so I worked for Southwestern Bell for five years, preaching in little community churches on the weekends for the last two of those years. Now, here's what's interesting. When, when my coworkers found out I was a Christian, they did everything they could to cause me to stumble. I would go in, I'd open up my locker, and there would be a center vote of the penthouse. They would tell dirty jokes purposely in front of me. They would do everything they could to try and cause me to slip up. And the reason why is because they had noticed that the majority of Christians were hypocrites. And it's true, we're all hypocrites. There's always some time that we're not doing what we're supposed to. But that shouldn't be our heart that, well, I'm a hypocrite, I do whatever I want. Our heart should be, I want to make Jesus look good. But here's what's interesting. After several years of that, things began to change. One Christmas, I went into work. And I don't mean on Christmas Day. It was the last day before the Christmas break. I was working on Christmas Eve. They told all the employees, go ahead and come on in at 2 o'clock. I came on at 2 o'clock. I saw all this food there. 
And so I started filling out my time, and everyone was kind of milling around, and it lasted about till 3 o'clock, and I was well, when are they going to get this party started? And finally, one of the employees looked at me, one of my coworkers, and said, you need to leave. I said, I do. What I do to offend you? He said, it's not what you've done to offend us. We're embarrassed to watch the porn we brought to work in front of you. It had changed from putting centerfolds inside my locker to the point that they were ashamed to watch the porn in front of me. It wasn't an easy five years, but it was a good five years. And I found a lot of satisfaction in my job, and I found a lot of gratification in my job. In fact, I really enjoyed it. I don't think I've ever had a job I didn't enjoy. Well, just one. But you know, people are watching. And when you are not a good employee, you make Jesus look bad. Now, some of you need to repent. Some of you need to buy today's sermon on CD, and you need to listen to it every morning as you're driving to work. And you need to do that until your attitude changes and you have the right perception of work. And I want to leave you with this. I want you to remember that your workplace is a mission field. And the reason that God is sending you into the workplace is not for you to make money. Making money is not the main purpose for working. Making money is a byproduct of working. The main reason that God sends you into the workplace is to be a witness for Him. But the great thing is, God has set up this system in such a way that as we serve Him at our job, we get paid for it. So in a sense, every Christian is in full-time ministry. Every Christian is getting paid in order to serve Jesus Christ. Now, people, that's awesome. And that's the perception we should have of work. And that's the right attitude to have of work. And I promise you, if you'll have the right attitude and the right perception, no matter how, jo- how bad your job is, God will do a work in you. And before long, you'll start taking pride in what you do. Before long, you'll start seeing all the opportunities that you have in order to to witness to different people. And before long, you'll see that, you know what? This is great. I get paid in order to do this. But what I'm really doing is I'm being a witness for God. That is what will happen in your heart.